Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. This week, we got hit with an atmospheric river, and the entire region is struggling with the rain. A UW study found that high school students are getting better grades, but lower standardized test scores. And time to dig out all those unused gift cards. Some lawmakers want the state to claim those dormant funds. Seattle Times food writer Tonvin and Seattle Now producer Vaughn Jones are here to break down the week. But first, let's get you caught up. The atmospheric river may be winding down, but we're still going to get drenched. The National Weather Service says another potent system is heading our way for the weekend. Look for more heavy rain, mountain snow, and wind, along with the potential for flooding and landslides. The ground is pretty saturated. Speaking of landslides, there's still one blocking the tracks between Seattle and Portland. Amtrak has extended that route's cancellation until tomorrow. The King County Council voted to help pay for 100 hotel rooms to assist asylum seekers living in an encampment at a Tukwila church. The $3 million approved by the council Thursday will pay for the rooms and a provider to facilitate the process, starting with families with small children. Many of the asylum seekers have fled violence and conflict. The city of Tukwila declared a state of emergency at the encampment earlier this fall. There are reportedly more than 400 people living at the site. And it seems Jeff Bezos is settling in quite nicely in Miami. He's selling one of his Seattle area homes. The five-bedroom house in Yarrow Point went on the market for more than $4 million. It's very fancy. Business Insider did some digging and connected the home to the billionaire through property tax records. Apparently, it's just a small slice of the real estate Bezos owns in Washington. It's Friday again. My goodness, it is rainy out there. Hope you've been able to stay mostly dry. Ton Vin is here. He's a food writer over at the Seattle Times. Hey, Ton, glad you're here. Thanks, Trish. Thanks for having me. And look at us, looking at each other in the studio. We are all in one place today. That is great. Vaughn Jones is here as well. They're a producer here on Seattle Now. Vaughn, glad you're here. Oh, so happy to be here. All in one place. Doing double duty. Doing double duty. All right. Well, what a weather week. This week's weather is for real, you two. We broke records over two days with our rainfall totals. Up to 10 inches fell in the wettest places of the Pacific Northwest. Gotten a lot here in the city. We'll even get more over the next few days. The deputy state climatologist, Karen Bumbacco, told us this atmospheric river isn't even that unusual, but it is the first real weather maker of the season, and I think that really hits different around here. Ton, it's also the kind of weather that really tests you, right, in different ways, especially if you're new. How did you get here this morning? Oh, I was stuck in traffic. I gave myself an hour, and I needed every minute. (laughs) <laughs> to get it on time. Yeah, yeah. And can I can I tell you, I live in the Central District, and it is so rough. There's so many puddles and potholes. And this is such a sensitive topic for my neighbors in the Central District because it becomes not just a weather issue, but a class warfare totally. almost. Because yep. they're like, hey, because my neighbors are convinced people in Ballard and North Capitol Hill have it better in terms of street maintenance. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> and it's there's no way around it. It's like weather, storm. I'm going to hear from my neighbors. Hey, the streets aren't as well, taken well care of as our neighbors to the north, Ballard and yeah. so forth. It's, Snow is a class issue around here as well, Ton. Vaughn, how did you get to work? 
<laughs> so I uh, I got out of bed this morning. I got all ready. I had three layers on because I am a delicate desert flower from Phoenix and I can't <laughs> handle anything below 60 degrees. So I get out and I usually am able to just walk right up to the 44 in my neighborhood. I'm in the Fremont area, so I can walk right to the 44. But today I was like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to catch the five so I can stay out of the rain and I can, you know, just take the five up to the 44. And then I missed the five and I had to trudge in the rain to work today. <laughs> hey, Vaughn, don't, here's a little dirty little secret about Seattle. This talk about we don't carry umbrellas, there's a reason why we don't carry umbrellas because it really doesn't rain. I'm sorry, it's a drizzle yeah, here yeah. in Seattle. If it rains, we run for the hills just like everyone else. Okay, that's a big myth. Yeah, I, I, I feel like this is the kind of rain that people think happens around here all the time. Every yeah. time you see Seattle in a movie or in a TV show, it's pouring down rain. <laughs> we get spit all season long. That's normally the way it is. Yeah. And I give an example. I grew up in the East Coast and during the summer I hang out in New Orleans. And when it drizzles there, that's an omen that it's going to be a downpour and it's fight or flight response. And you just <laughs> run for cover. Whereas here, right, when it drizzles, we just chill. We stroll because. Oh, totally. Yeah. It doesn't you, get don't, worse. you don't need an umbrella. I don't know. I get that question a lot, like from people that I, I talk to who are still in Arizona that's like, oh, does it rain there all the time? And I'm like, Kinda, not really, but it is nothing usually like this. Yeah, my my walk to work this morning was was a rough one for me. I have to admit, I decided I was gonna take the light rail. I got all bundled up in my stuff, my boots, the whole deal. Walked two blocks, turned around and said, "F it, I'm driving in, man. I'm driving in." But I didn't pay for parking. I parked far enough away so that I got free parking. So I kind of <laughs> split the difference there, but. Yeah, oh, that's a long walk, Trish. Twenty that's minutes. It's for real. It's for real. You know, the weather is pretty serious. There were landslides and flood warnings and watches for most rivers. The fields up in the Skagit County were looking pretty waterlogged. You see that drone footage was amazing. Mm. People needed to be rescued with their dog in Monroe by the Coast Guard. Mm. A real reminder of how small we are. Yeah, and if you check the Snohomish County Sheriff's Twitter, sorry X or whatever, it is an absurd picture. <laughs> I encourage everyone to check it out. It's a flood zone. This It's a road closure, and someone's driving through the flood, and a police officer knee-deep in water is oh. handing out tickets. It was a $432 <laughs> ticket. I kid you not. You can't make this stuff up. 400 bucks. $432 for driving in a flood zone with a road closure. So. And your transmission, probably, yes. right? Because honestly, if you're driving through water, just just not a good idea. Makes you feel real small, this kind no, of weather. It really does. And just when the weather is so unpredictable like this, it's a reminder that like nature doesn't really care that you're there. You know, like it's <laughs> right? gonna do whatever it needs to do regardless of what's going on. You can't you can't control the weather. You literally can't control the weather. And so it's a reminder that like especially with climate change, like nature is going to happen and we're just kind of going to be party to that the entire time. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, Tan, you said you're from the East Coast. I am too. I know that Whenever serious weather hits, snowstorms and stuff, people flock to the bar. So I wonder <laughs> if restaurants and bars get the same treatment around here. I don't go out too much anymore. Oh, we're so cheap here because I run <laughs> around. You know what people do? They they run with a backpack on the head. So much about I don't carry umbrellas. They they put backpacks or newspapers over the head and they run for cover. But they don't actually go in the bar. They just like find a 
canopy oh, of some sort. For a, <laughs> just, they're just looking for shelter. Yeah, not yeah. You don't go inside and wait the storm out. You watch the storm where you don't have to spend any money. Trish, this is like exactly like me and you in the East Coast. Because you're right. When I'm on the East Coast and it pours, we go into a bar, a coffee right. shop. People don't do that here because we're not used to again. This rain. It doesn't rain here. It's a drizzle. You're right. We just trudged through the spit. We yeah. just trudged through I the will spit. say, I did, I guess, an East Coaster thing. I got caught <laughs> uh, in the rain uh, in Ballard on Monday, and I went into uh, the Ballard Smoke Shop. Yeah. yeah. Cold right. dive bar. Yeah. Cheap Rainier. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back to regular wet weather next week, according to forecasters. But what a way to lean into the big dark, Mother Nature. Moving on, you two. A study from the University of Washington's Center for Education, Data, and Research released last month reveals the average grades in math, English, and science for middle and high schoolers improved during the pandemic. Seems like great news, except standardized test scores remain far below where they were before the pandemic. So UW is calling this grade inflation and argues that this letter grade is holding a lot of weight. Which is interesting because right away you have to ask what grades are for, right? Are they a measure of how you did? Are they a measure of how you'll succeed in society? I think right now they're certainly subjective in as much as it's how much work your teacher thinks you put in. Uh, if you can't tell by literally everything about me, I was a very good student when I was in school. I was always a, a pleasure to have in class, is what they call it. Oh, um, I hate you. I, hate you yeah. I was a pleasure oh. to have in class. And so uh, that was always, you know, there were a few moments, especially in high school when I started to phone it in a little bit. I got the B on the paper where it's like, you could do better. It's like, you know, what do you, what wow. do, you do? You could do better. We have started to look at leather grades differently. Because I feel like 20 years ago, a grade was a grade. And now we grade based on social economic factors. And we take into the pandemic, we have different criteria. It's more subjective now. And I'll give you my own personal experience. This is like get off my lawn moment. When I was <laughs> growing up, I was a refugee. And our school was flooded with refugee students. Mm. And so all the ESL classes were overfilled. So what the principal did was they got all the students who got A's in ESL class, which was me, and they put us in the regular English class. And I was overwhelmed. I wasn't prepared for that. And I remember my first grade, it was an essay, I got a D. Mm. And what the teacher was telling me was, you work hard. You have a passion for learning. But the work is the work. Mm. And I think today... The letter grade has different meanings, right? It's like, oh, there's socioeconomic factors. He shouldn't have been here. We'll give him a B plus instead. I think how we look at grades are different. I think as an Asian, it matters a lot. Mm. An A matters a lot. The Pulitzer Prize winning writer Viet Nguyen was just in town, and he jokingly said, a A minus is an Asian F. <laughs> and it's true. That's if brutal, Ton. In an Asian culture... Grades matter. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Seattle Public Schools made a point to not fail students during the pandemic, right? A very difficult time. But the reality is standardized testing is the way students are measured in the world. And 
to get into schools. Um, I can't even imagine taking like an SAT or something like that during the pandemic, like taking an online administered test like that with so much else going on in the world. I was just on the tail end of my like college experience and I have like a journalism degree. So I wasn't, you know, split in the atom or anything like that when I was in college. But at the tail end of my college experience, I, the pandemic started. And so all of our online classes, it felt like everybody was just so distracted by what was going on in the world. And so I can't even imagine like thinking about like taking a test that defines your future like that while everything is going on. Yeah. And during the pandemic, this is not just a Washington State problem. This is a nationwide problem in a sense that during the pandemic, the social contract, the written rule was, hey, we have a pandemic. It's online learning. We can't communicate with the students in person. So we're going to grade on the curve. Yeah. And that's just mm-hmm. not the state of Washington. That's like nationwide. And to put this in proper perspective, this has happened for years at private school and the Ivy Leagues. Mm-hmm. There's a new study from Yale University, which is ran on NPR, about how there's great inflation at Yale. Everybody gets an A at Yale. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. It was like the study, according to the econ professor at Yale, like in the 21-22 school year, 82% of students got A's or A-. minus. At Harvard, nearly 80% of all grades given to undergrads were A's and A-minuses in the 2021 school year. Hmm. So it's, it's the Ivy League, it's a <clears throat> private school, it's public school in Washington State. And it's happening everywhere. I would love to hear from some of those Ivy League kids who worked really hard to get into those Ivies when they find out that 80% of their classmates also got an A. (laughs) And can I tell you, I went to the University of Maryland and there was no great inflation. And I'm exhibit A of that. (laughs) No pun intended, but I was exhibit A of that. And I... I should try to get in the Ivy League just so I could say I'm a you know, I used to student. be I would be relieved when I got a D on a math paper. I would be like, yeah, because that was my A in algebra. That was my A. And the beauty of being me at this age is I never have to do math again if I don't want to. If I don't want to. I feel you. I feel you, Trish. I'm the only Asian that can't do math. That's why I'm in journalism. Well, you know, and I can speak to a non-traditional experience in school because I was quite the non-traditional student who suffered mightily under the standardized system, Mm. right? But I say this because I feel like there are a lot of ways to learn in this world. And maybe grades shouldn't ultimately reflect the wider idea of what it means to achieve mastery. I always thought it was interesting um, during like my period of college application that like Every single person that I knew in school was scrambling to do as many extracurriculars as they possibly could because grades are important. You need a certain GPA to get into basically any college worth its salt, right? But you also needed to be a well-versed individual. You needed to, you know, play the trumpet in the or- in the band orchestra. You needed to... You needed you know, to be a student yeah, that volu- teachers respected. Yeah, do or volunteer things and deep like trouble. be in clubs and all this stuff. When I was younger... My friend's parents would pay them for A's. They would get paid for good grades. Vaughn, do people still do that? No. (laughs) I never made any money that way, obviously. Maybe today you'd get a gift card. Speaking of gift cards, tis the season and just in time, you too. Washington State may be getting an extra windfall of cash next year by way of unused gift cards. Seattle Times reports that some lawmakers want to change Washington state's laws to require three-year-old unused gift cards to become the state's unclaimed property. 
The extra money would be used by the state to pay for public services, so not a bad plan, really. And we wouldn't be the first state to do this. The Times says other states do. State legislators will get into this during the legislative session that starts in January. All right, pop quiz. Todd, how many unspent gift cards do you have? Oh, as we sit here in the studio, you can't see it. <laughs> I have like a deck of cards of gift, oh my God. gift cards. <laughs> we could do- uh, $40 from Ethan Stowe. I got a serious pie from Tom Douglas gift card. And these are cards that people have given me for stocking stuffers or just charity that I donate to in a raffle. And tell you how sad this is. I have a stack of gift cards that I put in my car. And like an idiot, I left the window down or the car unlocked. <laughs> And my car got ransacked. They took the change. They took my shades. They took the pocket knife. But they left the gift card. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking over $200 of gift cards here. Man. Uh, you know, we're talking Starbucks. I'm looking at my Starbucks card, a Yard House card. That's beer. A uh, Sirius Pie, an Elysian Brewing card. $200. That Man. Vaughn. Interesting, because I'm not sure, but I when you say Starbucks, because that was kind of the, the crux of this story and the Times was a lot about mm-hmm. Starbucks, but the Starbucks gift card is the perfect, like, I don't know you like that. Happy holidays. <laughs> Here's the Starbucks gift card gift. And yep. so the amount of those I probably have sitting around, maybe even like old iTunes gift cards from oh, when I, I used to have, have to load load songs onto an iPod Touch or something like that. Like, I, I probably... We're close to maybe around 200, just kind of sitting around. I was thinking about this. I think I have about $250 right mm. now. A little, uh, I have a Williams Sonoma one at home. I think I have a Macy's one that's been hanging around for a really long time. You know, eh. <laughs> exactly. Oh. That's how, ex- how I feel about gift cards in general is like, eh. <laughs> well, and the Starbucks one is the kind of gift card, like you said, that you either give somebody you don't know or you get for like, I remember the U used to give out like $5 Starbucks gift cards when you got your flu shot. You know, like it would be like admin's day. Here's $5 gift card to Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. They bank on that, though. That's part of this story, right? That's why they're going to fight this. Okay, so under this proposal, you two, you wouldn't actually lose the money if it did go to the state because if for some reason you did decide to use that gift card, the state would then reimburse the store. So this is kind of would get funneled into this unclaimed property realm that the state maintains. Proponents estimate this proposal could bring in $2.5 billion in new revenue into the state over a decade, about $250 million per year, which gives you an idea of how many unspent gift cards and how important this could be to the bottom line for these companies. This is a reminder for your holiday season. Don't get lazy with your friends. Your <laughs> friends are not going to use the Cash gift cards always that says you class get them. is what I'm saying. <laughs> They're not going to use the gift cards that you get them. I understand that you want a little personalized, like, oh, my it's friend pretty. loves records, so I'm going to get them like a gift card to a record. They're not going to use it. They're not going to use it. Exactly. Cash is still the best. Cash is king. Cash is classy. Well, the plan would require companies to let people cash out gift card balances as well under $50, which is another interesting way to kind of game the system, right? Because customers with low gift card balances could combine that balance with other forms of payment like cash. Yeah. I have no problems with that. But to add to this, I don't begrudge the companies who are issuing these gift cards because they did their part, right? They mm. sold you a gift card, and it's people like me. And I'm sitting here with $200 worth of gift cards, which I have not used. I, so I don't begrudge them like, hey. Have you ever used a gift card? 
I can't remember the last time I have. I don't so, think I ever. So that's it. You're like not a gift card person, Ton. Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, I use like a reward system card at QFC, but it's like I don't use a gift card. I just, it's too much of a hassle to carry it around in your wallet. Like it's a physical thing that takes up space. And so I just never You know use who it. makes it easy to use your gift cards? Amazon. True. I hate to say Amazon that. And Star- Amazon, Amazon and cards. Starbucks. They yeah. have the app and it's like you can load yeah. the card code onto your Starbucks or your Amazon app and then just throw the physical thing away. Yeah. And they make it much easier to use that. But Starbucks is also the kind of company that will not let you reload under $10 on their app. Yeah. My very kid true. games this by buying gift cards. Mm. Oh, wow. My kid games the Starbucks app by buying gift cards. It's really like a $5 gift card so that. It's really interesting because we live in a world now where good things just kind of go away. (laughs) So there's like a gameable system. If this law passes and you're, you know, you see a flood of people running to every available Nordstrom and REI to cash out their like $45 left of gift card balance, gift cards might just go away. Like for a lot of major companies or they might make it a lot harder to access or something like that. They are not going away. I'll tell you that. (laughs) They're not going to lose. They're not going to lose. Right. They're not going to lose. We are a state full of big companies, so the Times tried to tap representatives from Starbucks, REI, and Nordstrom for this story that they published, but they got no response. And I am guessing it's because those companies are busy trying to lobby lawmakers to kill this proposal before the legislators take it up in January. All right. One last thing before we go. Ton, I don't know if you stopped by the green room on the way down to the studio, but there's plenty of free coffee here at KUOW. Mm-hmm. Some controversy this week, though, at Amazon when 10,000 employees pushed back on the company's decision to stop providing a free coffee drink a day to any employee that comes in the office. You know, it feels like you reap what you sow here. They wanted people back in the office. They're going to take advantage of the perk. And then they just want to take the perk away. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a really funny thing of like, because this was a pandemic thing and it's like, oh, people aren't coming into the office, but we like when people come into the office. We like it because it's more productive and there's better interpersonal communication, all the reasons that Amazon has given over the past year to get people back in. But it's now that they actually do have people back in the office because they pointed at people and said, you're fired if you don't come back in. Now they're like, oh, we're actually taking a bath on all this coffee we're trying to give away. Well, and this isn't like you're standard drip apparently right this isn't like the bunt machine with you know 30 day old coffee flowing through it these are fancy (laughs) coffees these are real coffees and what's great is like i I still can't believe coffee is not illegal because it's like (laughs) i think coffee to me is like steroids it gives me superpower i can focus so if i own a company i want to give you as much drugs as possible i want to give you the superpower to help you focus to you know when, yeah. when you're hung over you have like <laughs> can't sleep at night you can't focus coffee is a cure for all and amazon you know the funny thing about amazon is they should take a copy of the playbook of other tech companies and actually other wire service like Bloomberg offices in New York and so forth, what they do is they have like organic food, they have like juice, and it's free because I have a friend who took advantage of this who loved it, (laughs) and then he realized he was getting taken advantage of because they want to give you all this food for free because you don't leave your desk. That's right. You sit Mm. there and you work. Well, they make it like as comfortable as possible for you to never leave. Because you're always at your desk. You just walk to the free kitchen, you grab your juice, your free peanuts or whatever. It's it's genius. 
give these people their coffee. They'll be so more productive. <laughs> I know I am. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like a tax write-off. I mean, for yeah. such a rich company, it doesn't really matter. They have all those gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're leaving it there. Ton Bin is a Seattle Times food writer, and Bon Jones is a producer here on Seattle Now. Really appreciate being on. Thanks, you two. Thanks, Trish. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. We can only make this show with your help. You can support us by donating at the link in the show notes. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones. Our stellar production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain-Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Jenny Cecil-Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you Monday.